Hello. Morning. Nice to have you covered. Great to see Chris so. Thanks. I'm finished. And uh, let's talk about me first of all. No, let's talk about you. You look good. You know, you've lost weight. Thank you. I have actually. Which makes what I have to say to you all the more disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> Go on then. No, because I've known you a long time. Yes. Almost too long. And uh, if I, I've known relationships be shorter. <laughs> But, uh, and, and the other day I was thinking, because I, I was a bit, I was a bit cruel, a bit mm. cruel about your weight, and you have, you have lost it. I know that you're losing it. I can tell, because your boobs have started dropping a bit <laughs> further down your body. So I know that the weight is, because they were quite perky the other day. <laughs> they were perky, and now, now they're, they're drooping a bit now, they're drooping. They? So I contacted my, my friend Cheryl Kaufman. Hmm. Oh, who's that? Well, Cheryl has a, has a shop called The Real Man's Clothing Company. Oh, lovely. Well, um, I'm surprised you know anything about that place, then. Well, <laughs> yes, but as you'll discover in a moment, she knows all about you. <laughs> and she's, she's a big fan of LBC. Yes. And so I said, listen, I want to buy Christo a gift. Oh, To kind of kind. make amends. Yeah. You know, the kind of thing that says, look, I'm sorry, you know, please, please accept. I mm. said, can you suggest anything? So anyway, I sent in a picture of you. Yes. And, uh, and she sent me back... You know, an item for you. Oh, that's lovely. What, 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 what is it that I? It's I've, a t-shirt. Uh... Oh, lovely. So here it is. Oh, that sounds amazing. This is lovely. It's cam. Oh, okay. Which so is really nice. And here it is. This is the uh, the t-shirt, and it's in your size. She she based it oh, on the dear. on the photo. God, this is eight XL. Okay, now that's 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 not even quadruple. It's double quadruple XL. Well, she said you can either wear it or use it as a duvet. <laughs> so, I, mean, I could live in it. You could live I in it. I could that. live in it. Have you ever seen a T-shirt the size I of it? I could jump off the building and it would she, take me to the she ground. She makes clothes, or she, she, she gets clothes for people who are, let's just call it, slightly bigger than average. So this is, I mean, she goes up bigger than this. But that would that would suit the people on The Biggest Loser. Have you seen that show, that no. programme? It's the new Davina show, slightly morally bankrupt. It's another Davina show. Yeah, it's, it's, on, uh, it's where they've got a load of really, really fat people. Yeah. And they're all now competing against each other to lose weight as quickly as they can. Oh, and they have good. a weekly weigh-in. Oh. And then if you've lost not enough weight, you get booted out. Right. Oh, interesting. So we thought we'd actually take, take a picture so we can put on the website. Oh, that's lovely. Uh, of this... What's what? She's charging her phone up, bless her up. So he here it is. Can we put it on now? Well, no, if you come and stand next to me... Yeah, if, if you come in the middle... Just, just bear with us at the moment, kids, all right? Just bear... You sure you really want to take him? Oh, I'm not sure I'm going to take your clothes off. So, if I, do you want to hold that, that, that side of it? Mm. And then we can sort of see just how, how big it is. Okay, so th this is this will be going on the website. Lovely, that's good. Do you want to just slip it on now, just so we can see what it is? It is lovely. It's gorgeous. It really is quite heavy. Nice colour as well. It's your colour. Mm, You're you. very actually, lucky. It's very much my colour. It is very much your colour. Either that or a shroud. Difficult to tell which. Do you know, the funny thing is, it looks. It's Demis Roussos. Demis Roussos lives. Will we meet again? Look at... <laughs> you do look like Demis Roussos. Or failing that, my Greek Orthodox priest. Or failing that, a choir boy. <laughs> Slightly overweight choir. It's like, do you want it? Uh, I'm, it's very kind. But oh, I, I, I go think on. I'm all right. Thank you can you. wear it for bed. Uh, I could. Because you put it on and nobody else is going to want to wear it now, so you <laughs> might as well wear it. <laughs> fit three other people in me. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> don't say I don't help you out of a predicament. Uh, nice, though, isn't it? It's lovely. It's we'll put lovely. the pictures up on the website later. Yeah, thanks for that. That's all right. It's a really lovely gesture. <laughs> <You'd be> thrilled. <laughs> Luckily, I was hiding behind it, so I was okay. <laughs> it is big, though, isn't it? It is very big. It is very well, big. I often wondered if you're big, 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 where you get things from. Yeah. And that's really nice quality. 
Well, I, was, cheap I used to go to a shop called High and Mighty. Oh, I, was, I remember when that. When I was morbidly obese, I used to go to High and right. Mighty. Oh, I remember High and Mighty. Yeah, I used to have to. I used to have to buy jackets from there and everything because I was so... Really? Yeah, uh, that was really when old. I was... Don't say anything, but that was when I was properly... I was going to say, last week, week before, <laughs> who knows? It doesn't exist anymore, does it, High and no, Mighty? No, I, I don't think well, it does. why not? I don't know, I've not needed it for years. Why not? Because there are so many people who are bigger than usual. Why does that shop knock it... Also, for women... Mm. I've often said to Chris... Well, there's Evans, No, I'm not pointing... There? I'm just pointing generally at the ceiling. But the... I mean, my, my friend Chris sells mm. women's clothes, and, and I'm always intrigued to discover why there isn't, um, um, you know, a market store or a shop that, de- that deals no, with women. Well, there is. There's Evans. Yeah, but that's it. You that think is something it. Capital, like, you look at the majority of women walking out on the street. Dawn, Dawn French has got something. But it's, a, it's too expensive for most people. You see, because, you know, when, when, what, if you ever walk past Evans and see something nice in the window, like a nice suit or a nice, uh, a nice uh, long coat, yeah. next time there's a wedding in EastEnders, Pat's always wearing it. <laughs> Pat is always wearing it. The one good thing they have in the she window. Is, she's a bit big, isn't she? <laughs> she is. Oh. I, I God love her. She's but great. But then why shouldn't... I mean, it's like, um, you know, Kerry Katona's agent, Claire. Mm. I mean, she obviously goes to an outsized shop. <laughs> like, uh, like sort of millets or something like that. Go <laughs> buy a quick tech. But she's huge. I mean, she is enormous. And then, laughing... I've got to say this now. I've got to get it off my chest. Because they would say, oh, the queen of daytime television returns. And I'm thinking, oh, good, Judy Finnegan. Oh, no, yeah. Lovely. Sadly not. It's fat bird, Vanessa Feltz, with her thick boyfriend... Have you seen him? Yeah. Oh, my God, I didn't realise what the word crap presenter was. <laughs> till I turn on yesterday. The man's an idiot. But what's she wearing? Oh, I didn't see what she oh, wearing. Oh, yesterday. Because I mean, I this woman she... must be 90, 95. She's wearing the sort of tights that little girls wear, which are all patterned, mm. black, with a short little, like, rah-rah skirt on. She's way too fat for that kind of stuff. <laughs> way too fat. The set is, is, is smaller than this room. Mm. There's obviously no budget whatsoever. He's a complete bozo. He's what's quite... it about? Is it good content? Is it's it rubbish. It's rubbish. They seem to have crammed so many people in, it just looks crowded. She's not very good. No. She's lost any television appeal she had years ago. Um, they've given Matthew Wright a new set on Channel 5. Do you know, to be honest with you, they don't need a new set, they need a new presenter. <laughs> because just having a new set, it's the same old rubbish, isn't it, on Should there? get you back on there, maybe? I'm not remotely interested in television, thank you very much. It's far too disposable. Mm. But um, my, my advice to Vanessa's producer is, get rid of the naff boyfriend. Because the man's a grinning idiot. They send him out on the street, he can't interview, he can't speak. I should imagine her friends must be going, what the hell is that? She told me that when she first started going out with the one before this one, friends used to cross the road. Because they didn't <laughs> want to talk to her. And, and this one is a complete in- idiot. He d- no, he, he doesn't sing. But you know he has... He, yes, that's right, he had to prove who he was. But, but they weren't he, married. He was, he was famous. He was in a pop... Oh, he was minorly, minorly famous. Put it way, you're more famous than he is. He's only famous on the back of her. Or on the front, I should imagine, <laughs> as well. But uh, I can't even tell you what his name is. Ben. Is it Ben? Ben Afaidu or something. Um, how are you feeling? Another celebrity couple. So, Jordan and Alex Reed. Well, what they've is... said on the Daily Star mm. that they've split, but to be honest with you, I'm not totally convinced. Can, can you answer this question? What is the point, Alex Reed? Is there, is, what is the point? Uh, he wears women's clothing, mm. he's a bit too old, and he's boring as hell. Yeah, so there isn't really. Mind is you, there? she's exactly the same. She wears women's clothing, she's boring <laughs> as hell, and she's got no bloody talent either. But yet they insist on putting her on the television. 
And <laughs> using I more makeup. That's why I, I don't. I don't know why. She, why she's on there? She doesn't do anything apart from she's very sad and lonely. Aww. I feel sorry for. Her. I feel that you know we really should find something. Perhaps she should go out with that that camp uh, hairdresser who does um, hair and makeup. I think he's married now. He was on Four Weddings. Oh, was he? Yeah. They're so desperate to be famous, aren't they, on television? <laughs> Not quite worked as well as they thought. But uh, anyway, listen. Are you sure you don't? Please. I'm, thanks for that t-shirt. It's a gift. I, I think it's for someone more needy. I've got so many t-shirts at home that. Oh, okay. Thanks. Though. Well, you know, don't say don't try. Really lovely to see you. Yeah, and you. And, uh, I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to seeing you in. <laughs> what? No, no, no. So, no so bright colours. Bright really? colours. Because I'm doing Paul McKenna this week, and he's talking about I Can Make You Happy. Oh, really? And Spend I can make... next time with you. That'll make me well, happy. Well, <laughs> oh, this this different from the person the other week pursuing me, excuse me. Hello. Would you like to go out with me? Shall I pop round for New Year's Eve? Now, all of a sudden, the worm has turned, ladies and gentlemen. We've now become bitter and twisted because of rejection. OK? Bye, then. Bless you. Wouldn't want to be you. And, uh, yeah, so Paul McKenna this week is telling us how to be happy. But it's only for people who, who think they're missing something. And Christo's missing something, mainly half his stomach. So, you know, it would be nice to make him happy. You know, I mean, generally speaking, he's a happy little soul. You know, most people are happy little souls, but we're going to make you happier. We'll tell you the secrets, or a few of them, on Sunday morning with Paul McKenna, who's in conversation with me, which is very exciting. Um, what do we could do this morning? Oh, papers, as per usual. And your texts and emails. Oh, Jonathan Levi's in as well. Brought her own tea and coffee. Can't get the computer to work at all, so we're a bit, uh, we're a bit flummoxed, I'm afraid. Up and come. Should, should we turn it off and turn it on again? Oh, oh, it's locked. Can I not turn it off here? No. Oh, I think I can. I'm going to turn it. You watch. Da -da. There you go, it works. We've now launched all our missiles against Russia. Fantastic. Hang on. Sorted out Basildon as well now. Anyway, nice to have your company this morning. Welcome along to Wednesday morning. This week is whizzing... In fact, this month is whizzing through. This month is whizzing through almost at a, almost at a pace that I'm not prepared for. Because before we... In fact, we should have left the Christmas trees up. Because at this rate... We're going to be back to Christmas. I mean, here we are. Look, we're at the 11th of January already. Does it not seem like yesterday I was doing a Christmas programme and saying, have a look on the LBC website, new listeners as well, and you can have a look there and see pictures of our advent calendar. And here we are. The, we're nearly halfway through the month. And, and still... I don't want to say anything. But in the studio is the Steve Allen little bit of Christmas that nobody's noticed. It's still here. Ferrari's noticed it. He likes it. It's the Steve Allen mistletoe. You remember I put it up over Christmas? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say where it is. It's hidden. But it's still there. <laughs> Come and look. And uh, it's quite exciting, actually, really, because, I mean, I'm still looking for the opportunity of snogging people, but it's, because it's all shriveled up and wizened, the mistletoe, that is, um, we're kind of not doing very well in that department. But it doesn't matter. I don't care. We've got, uh, we've got texts and emails, and the producer bought me a present this morning. She's, I bought her a present yesterday. She bought me a present, and it was beautifully wrapped, and, and it was gorgeous. And it's apparently... Well, I thought it was a free pizza, but it's not. Apparently, it's an advert for Domino's Pizza. And it's a copy of the Metro. My very, There's 50, 70 pages or something mm. here. So generous. That's from me to you. Well, that is so good. I mean, honestly, <laughs> there's the, the gift that keeps on bloody well giving, isn't it? It really well, is. Yes, exactly. Stand on the mistletoe. Oh, look, that's another duvet cover will be forthcoming. <laughs> is it nice coloured gold? Lovely. It's good, isn't it? Very nice. I've got a card from... that we've got the same duvet set on. I'm taking best. mine off immediately. <laughs> I don't want anything... To... I'm not going down that blooming route. <laughs> And uh, got a lovely card from the bill. I think somebody must have swiped it from the set. And uh, this has got all the cast on it. Derek! 
Derek's in the middle. Everybody's there. Actually, all nice people. All nice people. All my favourites from the bill. A lot of makeup going on here, but I quite like that as well. Don't some people look good in police uniforms? I'm not one of them, admittedly. But it's to Steve and Amanda. She's nice, isn't it? Don't worry, I'm not letting her touch the card. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Oh, and sadly, we have a death to report this morning. But I'll come to that in a moment. These are the headlines. 20,000 homes are now at risk of serious flooding as floodwaters continue to head towards Brisbane, Australia's third biggest city. Electricity has been cut in the centre of the city and thousands have evacuated. More than 20 people have died since November. Michael Jackson's doctor has been told he will stand trial over the singer's death. Dr Conrad Murray is accused of involuntary manslaughter. He's now had his licence suspended. And all pubs are expected to be allowed to stay open until 1am for two nights of celebration for the royal wedding. There'll be late openings on the Friday of the wedding and the Saturday night. Let's have a check on the uh, state of the roads for you this morning. It's Jay Louise. Biggest conversation with me, Nick Ferrari, this morning from 7. Sadly, you can neither text, tweet, nor anything else at the moment as the, co- as the computer's jammed. Oh, you can text. You can text and you can tweet, but you can't uh, email or we can't do anything with it either because it's, it's seized up. You know what they do every so often? Computers, they just uh, they have one of their sort of fits and they go, right, that's it, I'm not working today. And you sit there and you go, ooh, my life is finished. It's terrible. Uh, actually, look, look at this lovely picture of the, of the Bills Christmas card. Perhaps we should have a, a, an LBC Christmas card with all the staff. You know, waving or doing... Well, we do, actually. We have the advent calendar. But Graham Cole in the middle. Very sophisticated, Graham, you know. Very... I wonder if he's finished Panto yet. I think Barbara finished uh, yesterday. Is it yesterday or today she finishes? Down in Brit... She must be absolutely Kerry Packard, I should think. It's really tiring. People go, oh, it's great, isn't it? You go, yes, it probably is for the first three or, you know, four or seven performances. After that, it becomes blooming hard work. Anyway, I said this morning we had a, a death to report... And, uh, sadly, it's a magician, and it's a friend of mine, and, uh, his name was Terry Seabrook. Uh, Terry Seabrook won't be known to the majority of people. To magicians, everybody knew Terry Seabrook. He was, he was a stalwart, a big supporter of Watford. He liked his footy. He was a comedy magician. He worked just as happily in the States as he did over here. In recent years, even though he was, uh, slightly infirm and had difficulty walking, I, when I went to the Magic Circle... Christmas lunch, a couple of... Uh, Christmas dinner a couple of years ago. We got him back in my car, and my car's quite big, but to get him in and out was a bit of an, an achievement. And to get him into Daryl's car was an even more of an achievement. And uh, he went into a home recently because he wasn't, uh, wasn't too good. And sadly, at nine o'clock yesterday morning, he, uh, his life finished. But he was a, a really, really nice guy. You know, he was funny, he was witty. I spoke to him on the phone uh, just back before Christmas. He was in, and he said, my dear boy, he said... How nice of you to remember the old boy. And he was a, a real sweetie. So yesterday, a friend of mine phoned me and said Terry died. And uh, so uh, there'll be a broken wand ceremony. For those of you who don't know, if uh, magicians have a wand, and what they do is they break the wand at the funeral. So that means that they then go and set up on a cloud with other magicians. So he'll be sitting up there with a guy called Billy McComb, who was a great Irish magician, and they'll no doubt be, uh, be drinking. And uh, Seabrook used to phone me at home. She said, I'm having a bit of a drink, he said, and I thought I'd phone you, Alan. Still listening to the old programme, you know. A real sweetie. So, uh, Terry, and commiserations to all his uh, family and to all at the Watford Magic Club, because uh, he was truly a nice man. Truly a nice man. Anyway, from one nice man to, uh, to other nice people in the paper. Nope, can't find any of those, so let's find some, uh, some, some real turkeys. And they're all in there, I'm afraid, this morning. Uh, I did have... To, I had to watch the Kerry Katona programme because somebody had said... The, uh, they, they go through this... I mean, it looked like a chav wedding. 
I mean, it really, it was that tacky. There were lo- it was, it, do you remember that programme which we had on the television a while ago, which was called My Big Fat Gypsy Wedding? It looked not quite as vulgar as that, but pretty damn close. Lots of women sporting tattoos up their back, big hoop earrings, you know, real sort of... It, it just looked tacky. And no celebrities. I thought Kerry Katona turning 30, there'd be loads of celebrities. No, they all avoided it like the plague. I know a number of celebrities were invited and went, I don't think so. You know why? Because it was being filmed for television and also for OK Magazine. Because there's one thing that Claire, her agent, has to do, and Claire's boyfriend, who is Kerry's manager, whose company make the Kerry Katona programme. Oh, it's nothing if not incestuous. They need to keep the interest in this poor old demented bag going, because without that, they've got no income. I know they've got Ellen Revis and they've got Peter Andre, but they're all numpties. And then you look at the spread that she's got, and got, we love you, we love you. And it was just so false. It really was false, fake, and just disgusting. You've got Claire's boyfriend sweating all over the place, very tacky, uh, wearing a very what looked like a very cheap outfit to me. And they go through this thing. What they do is like a This Is Your Life for Kerry Katona. There wasn't a dry eye in the house. I know people were wetting themselves laughing. And then at the end he goes, we've got a, Kerry, that's not it. We've got another surprise for you. And, and I thought, oh, what are they going to bring out? They're going to bring out Brian McFadden and he's going to go, I really hate you. You know, just to make it more... Or failing that, one of the Atomic Kitten girls, who she doesn't talk to anymore. And uh, the reason she doesn't talk to them is because apparently she was in a bad time of her life. So in one of the papers today, they're, they're, they're trying to drum up interest so they can get... They have to keep looking forward. Claire's quite good. Right, OK, we, we, we've done the coming off booze, we've done the coming off cocaine, we've done the... You're a new woman, you're now fit, you've got your DVD out, and you've turned your life around. Now we need to find some celebrities to stick you with. Let's go back to Atomic Kitten. Atomic Kitten and Kerry Katona have not spoken for five years, mainly because she never contributed to Atomic Kitten in any way, shape or form. She doesn't feature on any of the records because she cannot sing. And this was demonstrated beautifully when uh, her, her manager, not Claire, but Claire's boyfriend, I said it was getting incestuous, said, and oh, we've got a big special surprise for you. They're here for your birthday. I thought, no, they're here to appear on a silly television programme, The Drifters. Well, I was expecting four coffins to be wheeled out because all the drifters died some years ago. And she's got nothing to do with the drifters whatsoever. And so they start singing, Saturday night at eight o'clock. But of course, that wasn't them singing on the record because these people are way too young. The original drifters would be about 90 by now. And when I was on a cruise ship, they brought on the drifters again. Only these were called the American drifters. Because there's lots of different versions of the drifters. Some of them might have had a father who was in it, and now it's the son or something. Whatever, it's a load of old crap, to be honest with you. It's not the drifters. So when they come on stage on the cruise ship we're on and go, we're going to sing some of our biggest hits, Up on the Roof. And they do, and they think, that wasn't you. That wasn't you that sang. Then they have the bloody nerve to sell a CD. Afterwards, even more rip-off. So, so they bring out these four rip-off people for Kerry Katona's birthday, drag her up there, and she starts... Well, of course, she can't sing. Saturday night at a movie. Sat- she can't sing for... T- she's flat as a pancake. Couldn't hold a note if life depended on I thought, oh, dear, Claire wouldn't be happy with that. That's portraying her client in a bad light. And it was just... And after that, I really did lose the will to live. I just thought it was like chav day out, a lot of fake tan, ghastly cheap outfits, and no matter which way you dress Kerry Katona up, she's still a foul-mouthed old chav. I don't care which way you look at it. That's... I mean, she used rude words in front of her children. Molly, who's the, um... Who's the slightly older, slightly bigger child than the other ones? She is. I mean, she... She's... And, and, but you don't use bad language in front of children. I'm sorry, you just don't do it. And then there was another programme I saw on it. You might better help me. And it had Russell Grant in it. It had Jan Leeming. 
And I thought it was Coach Trip, but it was a celebrity something, whether on holiday cooking or whatever it was. And so Russell Grant I knew, Jan Leeming I knew. Who were the other two people? There was Emma somebody. It was quite clearly not all there in the head. And then there was a bloke, and I didn't know who he was either. So if you've got any idea, don't, don't email, because I'll never get it until the computer sorts it out. But do, do let me know. Oh, pop it. Good exercise for you. Look on me as a workout. OK, your favourite waste of time. Can I have a look at my Christmas card from the bill? Well, it's not yours. It's actually well, it's for me. it yeah, well, it's got my name on it. Yeah, because I wrote it in there afterwards, you know, just to make sure that, you know, I don't want any tears or anything like that. Steve Yeah, OK, right. Yeah, it says Steve. Steve is the first name on there. So Steve. And then, as an afterthought, and Amanda. I think mine looks slightly bigger, the lettering on mine. Yes, it's because they're obviously dyslexic or something, or they just had a crayon or something. I don't know what's going on. So, um, oh, yes, yeah, so if you know who this programme... Oh, I know what it was called. I just don't know who the two people were. Emma, who was a bit... Oh, they had Anthony Costa. So, Anthony Costa... My God, he's hairy. Uh, Russell Grant and Jan Leeming. Now, Jan Leeming, as you know, has been married something like four or five times. She's a bit... She's not 100% with it all the time. And so I was sort of watching it thinking, but I didn't know who this girl was, who quite clearly had, had a big chip on her shoulder. And this other bloke, who I didn't know who he was either. So if you, can, if you can help me out, do please, if you text 84850, or you can tweet LBC973. Makes it a lot easier. Uh, Daily Star this morning. Uh, what have we got here? Uh, scare- oh, here we go, another one. Another family, but you know what it's like because you've heard her use filthy, foul language. This is Scary Spice. Mel B has not spoken to her family for two years. Two years. Danielle Brown, a former Emmerdale actress, I think for about five seconds, wasn't it, Danielle? I think you're more famous for, let's just call them other things, shall we, dear? Who is now 30, told OK Magazine. My God, they must have scraped the barrel for that one. Do you think people who go, I'm sorry, who are you, love? Well, Scary Spice is my sister. Oh, right, OK. But you're not talking. No. She says, th- this is, she says, I don't even think she's aware I've had a baby. Darling, I don't think any of us were aware you've had a baby. But she says, I don't have her number. I don't know where she lives. I wouldn't know how to get in touch. Well, you're stupid then, aren't you? What do you mean you don't? Listen, you might not have her number. You don't know where she lives. I mean, can't be that difficult to find out, love. Can't be that di- Unless you're really stupid. And I suspect maybe you might not be as committed to your sister as you're trying to pretend you are. So as the world rejoices in the fact that another fake wedding has collapsed for uh, for poor old uh, Jordan, everybody's saying the same thing. We told you so, we told you so, we told you so, we told you so. And even she's now admitting she knew that it wasn't right from the start. Which is, you know, which is fantastic. But we told her that as well. It was just done for cheap publicity purposes. The people you feel sorry for in her sad but shambolic life, yeah, so she made some money. If money's your, your, your god and your goal, well, then you're probably a bit sad. But unfortunately, it's the poor children. Oh, look, here's somebody else coming into Mummy's life. Oh, look, it's another film crew. Oh, look, it's another photo shoot. Oh, look, it's another exotic location being filmed again. You know, it is terribly tragic that at the end of all this, and the papers have said exactly the same, it's the kids who suffer. Because Alex will now presumably be writing a book about his boring life. I mean, he is dull as bloody ditch water. There's no two ways. We saw him on his little reality show where he was trying to make a name. And I, what did I say at the time? You could play back programmes, you know, of mine from 10, 11 months ago. And I said, if you try and develop a career and try and overshadow her by bringing out a book and doing a reality show, she'll wipe you off the face of the earth. And that's exactly what I suspect will happen. He won't get a penny piece of her money. He'll be gagged from writing about anything at all. 
but uh, he'll, he'll find a way around it because he will. There'll be no no end of agents going. Listen, we want to push her around a bit. Let let's do it. And so they will. There'll be no end of people. You might actually find at the end of the day that Claire Powell has probably made inroads. He would be the sort of client she'd be looking for because she needs to maintain her lifestyle. So she'd be looking for people that somebody might have an interest. The trouble is because he's so bloody boring. I'm not really sure how you can sell him, but then Jordan's boring, and she managed to sort of turn her into. I don't know, just some boring, lonely old person, because they all live in front of TV cameras. The moment they come out of the TV camera and they come out of the newspapers and out of the magazines, they turn to people... Look at this picture of Peter Andre. Look at that. Would you recognise that as Peter Andre? Oh, no. Little fat bloke, isn't he? Look. That's yeah. what he started going out with. I mean, hardly recognisable. Yeah. Bad hair, big, fat, puffy face. Yeah. Bad chain, bad, bad Bad everything, actually. Mind you, she looks a bit... All oh, right. Lovely. Thank you. Should we have a coffee? Should we have a tea? Why not? Yeah, should, yeah, we can do anything. We can, can we have peanut butter on toast? No, I don't want peanut butter on toast. I want um, Marmite on toast. You want my Marmite on toast? Can you not say it? I'll tell you where it went. I went to Robert Dyer's. They've got a whole section full of Marmite accoutrement, like a Marmite <laughs> toast rack, Marmite spoons, Marmite jars. Okay, so I've mentioned it in case you were thinking of something for my, for my birthday. Okay, yeah. Tea or coffee? Um. God, tea or coffee. What do you reckon, ladies and gentlemen? Tea or coffee? Surprise you. Okay. Yeah, surprise me. <laughs> no, second thoughts don't. I love a coffee. One level spoon, not your usual empty the coffee thing into it. <laughs> God, blimey. How I survived the other day, I've got no idea. Uh, Robert says, uh, Dear Stephen Gang. It sounds a little bit like years ago there was a, a series of films called Spanky and Our Gang, which I always got a bit excited about. It turns out to be something not like that at all. And uh, it says, Why don't you padlock the cupboard? You're trusting, you're, you're, you're too trusting. Christo is obviously a blagger. You have to use aversion therapy. How about wiring it up to a 12-volt car battery? I don't want to be accused of, a, of affecting me in any way, shape or form, I'm afraid. Diana says the place to go for huge clothing is Kempton Market. Most of the customers there are wearing 8XL, and even then the clothes are too tight. We found another benefit fraudster in the paper today. She's another one of these old liars who claims that, in fact... What amazes me about this country, I mean, I almost think at times, but I do get a bit cross, um, that, that that we sort of, we almost allow people to get away with it, and then we express surprise, like the other, remember that woman the other day claimed that she was from Somalia, it turns out she was of no such thing, she was Kenyan, and she, she claimed she'd been abused and raped, it was just lies, tissue of lies, pack of lies, and then I turned on the television the other day, and there's another woman, and this woman uh, is claiming housing benefit, and she's paying housing benefit to her landlord. The interesting thing about this story is uh, they, they, they go a bit further down the line. They thought, this is a bit strange. She's put in for some more benefit because the landlord's put, put the rent up. So they get a picture. They, 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 they start investigating her a little bit further. And they discover that far from being the single person she's claimed, she's married. So they, they have a picture of her husband... And then, strangely enough, they get a picture of the landlord. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, you know what I'm going to tell you? It's the same person. This bent old crook is pretending that she's single. And what they're doing is they're paying 40000 a year to her husband, who has a very successful car rental business in London. So he's as bent as she is. And they're getting away with it. I didn't hear the end of the story because I got so angry I had to turn the television off. But in, in the same programme... Hosted by Dominic Littlewood, not my favourite TV presenter. I think it needs somebody just a bit more gravitas. First of all, second-hand car dealer, I'm afraid. And they've got a man there whose, whose daughter is very promising. 
at... Uh, th- this, this comes down to benefit. Who can claim benefit and who can't? So this bent old woman with her husband are rooking the system to the tune of 40 grand. 47 grand, 70 they got in the end. Like the woman the other day, milked it, claiming she'd been raped and all the rest of it. £260,000. Can we get it back? No, because the thieving old bag has spent it all. Now, of course, what they then generally do is have loads of children so nothing can happen to them. They go, oh, no, you can't do anything about the children. And uh, because we have stupid laws in this country that seem to protect the guilty and uh, do absolutely bugger all for the innocent, you've got a man there whose daughter is at just about to start uni. And she's very gifted. And anyway, she starts complaining she's not feeling too good. And uh, they take her in for tests and they discover that she's got, let's just call it a form of cancer. OK, she's got a form of cancer. So they have to cancel her uni. So she hasn't spent her student loan. So they then go, the father goes to the DSS or whoever you go to, and he asks for help because she has to move back home. They have to convert downstairs because she's, she's seriously ill. She's seriously ill, this girl. She's 19, and they move everything downstairs. And the people at the DSS say, no, you're not getting any money. Why would you get any money? He says, because she's not, she's not going to be taking up the, 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 uh, the place at uni, and she's not used her student loan. Well, that's not our, our problem. And they were quite matter-of-fact about it and just said, basically, you're getting bugger all. So he thinks, well, this isn't right. You know, she's not doing this. And they said, well, there's nothing we can do about it. That's the law. So he writes to his MP. And the MP, as usual, do, you know, once they've actually got in all these empty promises that they made you about, oh, I'll be campaigning for this and that, goes out the window, ladies and gentlemen. They're in it for themselves, as you've seen, as more and more MPs are exposed for fiddling expenses and thieving and cheating on their husbands and wives and all the rest of it. A bigger bunch of liars you'd be hard pushed to find. Well, actually, there are quite a few actually liars out there as well who maybe not be MPs. And so he writes to his MP. The MP writes to the NHS and to the DSS, and they come back with a standard reply, and he just passes that back on to the father. In the meanwhile... This poor girl is getting iller and iller, and she wants to be at home. She then becomes so ill, and the hospital phone up after she's been for tests, and they say, listen, we have to tell you there is nothing more that we can do. Now, I don't know how you would feel if somebody said that about your child. You get the phone call, and the hospital then say, effectively, they're going to die. You better brace yourself for it. So they tell the, the daughter... She's 20, remember. She's 20 years old. She's got a whole bloody life and you've got some git in the bloody social... Well, you're not earning any money. So the parents are having to work extra hard to fund everything. And she says, listen, I want to die at home. I mean, she's that, she's that, you know, cold-hearted about it. She doesn't want to die in a hospice. She doesn't want to die in a, in a, in a hospital. She wants to be at home surrounded by a family. So... She goes home, they, they prepare this room, and they start looking after. And it, it does become difficult. As anybody who's nursed anybody who's in a terminal illness and they're at home, they get all the, the help from Macmillan and people like that and all the other cancer charities. They all do their bit. The government, bugger all, ladies and gentlemen. Absolute bugger all from the government. And I got so angry because they, they interview this man, and this, this happened a few years ago now, and she died. She died after a few months of being at home, still with no money and still knowing that her parents had to work really hard. Now they've started to change the law. But it took them that long and it took the death of a girl for them to realise that, you know, where is your compassion? Where is, you know, are you a human being in there? Is, there anybody, is, it, is it just all coming down to, well, no, you're not having it. But wait a minute, you've just given it to this woman here who's lied through her teeth. There's a woman who's on benefits, who's in the paper today, who, well, you can tell by looking at a picture what sort of person she is. She's quite clearly a thieving old chav. 
And she goes out there and she says to her doctor, I'm terribly sorry, I can't walk. My back pain is so bad, I cannot walk. And so the doctor quite clearly doesn't check, puts her forward, and she gets benefit. So she's getting the, the, this benefit for a number of years. And she then thinks, you know, I think we could do with a bit more now. So she then goes back to the doctor and she goes, um, it's really got so bad now, I can't do anything at all. So they give her more benefit. In the end, she swindle it, and her name is Valerie Lewis. I'll tell you who she is, because she's in every paper today. Uh, the reason they called her is because somebody, some right-minded thinking person, went out there and went, wait a minute, she's playing golf four times a week. What do you mean she can't walk? Of course she can bloody well walk. Nothing to matter with her at all. So she, she claims she couldn't walk 50 yards. Nobody ever checks her. They just go out there with the little camcorders and they film her. Anyway, here she is, and... Um, she was captured taking a golf buggy and clubs from the car, putting them back in. A diary seized from her home showed she went riding the next day. It's not bad, is it? This old thieving so-and-so who comes from the Hall Golf Club near Runcorn in Cheshire, um, we, as far as we know, is still playing golf. The golf club refused to admit whether or not she's a member. I mean, if I was a member of a golf club and he went, excuse me, you're a benefit fraudster, wait a minute, Listen, you might think you're being terribly clever. What you're doing is thieving from maybe somebody in my family who might really need that money. Somebody who maybe is dying of cancer who might want that money. And a thieving little so-and-so like you, you little toe-rag, I would, I would be voting in that golf club, kick the old witch out, get her out as quick as possible. Because you know what? She's had £40,000, and the judge said to her, this brings shame and disgrace on you. You think she's bothered? Of course she's bloody well not. She's not remotely interested. You know why? Because she's paying the money back. That's the good news. The bad news is she's paying it back at £10 a week out of her incapacity benefit. She's going to be 163 before it's paid off. What a pile of old rubbish, ladies and gentlemen. Doesn't it make you sick? Doesn't it make you sick? 84850, steve at Tell I got so wound up by the television yesterday. Really? And then I went into some shop. I won't tell you which one it was. It was a supermarket. And they've got one, two, three... It's in Chiswick. One, two, three, four, five, six... Six checkouts. So I buy my thing. I'm standing there in the queue, and then it goes, cashier number three. So I go to cashier number three, and she's very cheerful. Hello. I said hello. And then one of the guys from the other till, let's just call him a guy of, you know, probably about 45, 50. As he goes past her, he gives her a little squeeze on the back. And so she goes, oh... So I said, is that normal behaviour? She said, oh, he always does that. I said, do you know, I said, in any other business, I said, that man would be seen as a sex pest. You're not allowed to just go up and touch people. She said, oh, do you not think so? And this was in a very well-known supermarket. And I said, no, I don't think you are allowed to do that. I said, you need to see a lawyer. She said, oh, we, we just do it as a laugh. I said, yes, you might be doing it as a laugh. He might be seeing it as, oh, I can touch somebody. And, it's, and they only see it as a bit of fun. I said, because believe you me, it generally gets worse. And, and people don't, you know, if I went up behind the producer this morning and goosed her or something, you know, or, or just, no, actually, no, I, I'd be the wrong person. Just imagine, I'll tell you what, an even, an even easier one. one say one of, one of the cleaners came in and came up behind her and went, woo, like that, and touched her. She'd be going, what do you think you're doing? And if, if he said, oh, but I, I thought you, you were just my friend. You go, yeah, I'm your friend, but I'm certainly not going to be touching you. And this woman didn't understand it at all. And I thought, in this day and age, you've got lawyers. You can't have people touching people like that at work. Oh, good. I will cross the room not to be touched. I can't bear it anywhere, even at home. I climb into bed, Teddy rolls it. Get off! I don't like it. Quarter to six. 
These are the headlines. 20,000 homes are at risk of serious flooding as floodwaters continue to threaten Brisbane, Australia's third biggest city. Electricity has been cut in the centre of the city and thousands have been evacuated. Police say they hope protesters intent on causing violence will reflect on the sentence handed to an 18-year-old who threw a fire extinguisher from the roof of Millbank Tower. Edward Woolard's been sent to a Young Offenders Institute for 32 months following the incident at an anti-tuition fees protest in November. And Michael Jackson's doctor's been told he will stand trial over the singer's death. Dr Conrad Murray's accused of involuntary manslaughter, a charge he denies. Check on the state of the roads, it's Jay Louise. Conversation with me, James O'Brien, this morning from 10. Morning, everybody. 12 minutes to 6 is the time. Uh, Jackie in Chorley Wood says it's Emma Ridley in this five go to Turkey. Emma Ridley? Oh, God, that, way, that faded old has-been from the 80s. Remember former wild child for a, for a friend of Amanda de Cadenet's? Another one who was a waste of space, I'm afraid. Emma Ridley. God, <laughs> dear. And then somebody says the other one was Derek Conway, XMP. Why does that ring a bell? Derek Conway. We're just trying to find out why Derek Conway rings a bell. I mean, why would you put an XMP? Well, perhaps they like XMPs. We seem- I did like Jane Moore today. You'll love this bit. This is very funny. She says here, uh, this, is, this is Jane Moore's column in The Sun, and she says, I'd rather be the child of the poorest person in Britain than be Zachary Furnish John, wrote Anne Widdicombe on the news that Elton John and David Furnish are the proud parents of a new son. Jane says, when I first read this, I was so incensed... I was going to write a long, impassioned article on everything that's wrong with a statement. But then I remembered it had been uttered by a silly old bat whose self-confessed virginity means her experts on parenting and her views are about as expert as her footwork on Strictly Come Dancing. So I didn't bother. So there you go. Lovely. So uh, that was it, yes. She would, of course, you can imagine that uh, she wouldn't be a fan of that because they'd be a gay couple. And she wouldn't like gay couples, Anne Whittakin. She's not a big fan of gay couples. It's a bit uh, antsy, thank you. Ah, Derek Conway. Oh, this was the Derek Conway. Oh, right. He was uh, suspended. And I think he was... I don't know if he's still there anyway. But this is the man who, had, who paid £13,000 of the money uh, he paid his son. He took it out and he, he gave it to them. And this is the one who's got... Oh, Henry Conway. Do you remember the gay son... Do you remember the gay son, Henry Con- I've just remembered who the Conways are. Oh, is he gay? Henry Conway, a screaming Nancy from the rooftops, let me tell you. But um, he, Mr Harvey, who sits on the Commons Commission, told the BBC that a regular spot check would have uncovered bogus arrangements. That's why I've remembered him. Oh, that's right. That, Mr... Oh, apparently now he's a celebrity. Five go to Turkey. I mean, you'd have to push the boat out a bit and use an awful lot of imagination to ever imagine that Derek the Fiddler Conway was a celebrity, or Emma Ridley, former wild child, I think married at 15. This was so many years ago now, and she's still dragging her carcass around television programmes. Well, I felt slightly perturbed at seeing Jan Leeming and, um, and Russell Grant and Anthony Costa on it. But there again, I suppose, uh, you know, people have got to go where the money is nowadays. Uh, the uh, story in the paper, or the story that made a lot of uh, newspaper and radio headlines today is about the BBC and the woman who beat the age bias. She wanted to take them to court for sex discrimination, but she didn't get to that one. She got the age bias at the BBC. Miss Riley is 53. She'd been told that it would be helpful if you had Botox or were a bit younger. Uh, the BBC's argument at the time was that they were moving country file to a different time slot and they wanted well-known presenters. And to be honest with you, I thought that as she was freelance, in inverted commas, that that would have been okay. Because if you're freelance, 
then you're, you're only up there up until your contract. If they decide that they want to put celebrity presenters into country fire, which they did, um, then I would have thought that was their business. She said it was age bias, even though we've got John Craven on the programme, and he must be well into his 60s. And so she took them to court, and she won. She didn't win on the sex discrimination. The BBC have now apologised and said, terribly sorry, but she's now considering fresh offers from the BBC, who have issued an apology, and said they'd be happy to work with her again. Probably in the Outer Hebrides, I should imagine. We're doing this thing on Puffins, up in the Shetlands. Could you go up there for a year and stay there? Apparently last year she only earned £500. Now she's won 150000 But a lot of freelancers are saying this isn't a victory for ageism at all. This is just one person. Companies will still continue to only employ young people. Why? Because they're cheap. Because they're cheap. But now they know that the door could be open... Uh, for people to go and sue, perhaps they might not think about it. She said she was offered um, a behind-the-scenes, under-the-table offer to keep her mouth shut, and she said, certainly not. She said, why would you want to take some money from them and then sign this form saying that you're never going to talk about it? That's what a lot of companies do to try and hush these sort of things up, because I should imagine there must be lots of companies guilty of it. And they give somebody money and they say, right, if, if we give you this, this money to go and we want you to go now, uh, you have to sign this form and you can't ever talk about it, because otherwise we will sue you. And so she said, no, I'm not doing that. I want to go to court. I want my, my day in court. And so she got her day in court, and she won. And I think it might open the floodgates for a load of other people who think that they've been dismissed on either age grounds and who maybe have been paid off under the table by companies who've said, listen, we're going to give you £15,000. Sign, sign this paper here before we actually give you the money, saying that you will not you know, take us to court or talk about this with anybody else. And that's what people do. Because if you're freelance, as she said here, uh, she said that you, you fear for your job all the time. But that's, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm freelance. That's the nature of the game. It's a bit of a problem, I know. But if, if you're good, you survive. And if you've got the figures that can match it up, then that's great. If, of course, you join a company, whether you're, it doesn't matter whether you're a famous name or you're not a famous name, and you don't produce the figures and don't produce the goods and you don't match up to the money that they're paying you, they're not going to want to keep you. Why would you want that? It's like if you had a shop and it's a sweet shop and you employed somebody and they just stood there all day staring into the distance, eating sweets. You're going to go, I'm really sorry, I don't, I don't want you here anymore. I'm going to get rid of you. And they go, what do you mean? Because your heart's not in it, is it really? Yeah, so... And, th and then they end up on the Jeremy Kyle show. But it was very interesting that the uh, the boss who accused Julia Bradbury of greed and mocked her and John Craven about her age uh, also sent emails to Miriam O'Reilly. So Miriam produced these in court. And it turns out the message claimed that Miss, Miss Bradbury's agent, her sister, Gina Fox, was demanding silly money to front the show. I mean, I find these sort of things... I mean, you would probably find it as fascinating as I would. In fact, I said to somebody the other day, I would love to go through the BBC or ITV, or whoever it happens to be, and go, how much do these people get paid? How, how much money do they earn? How much do you think, well, we know how much Adrian Charles and the dreary Christine Bleakley get paid, because that was well publicised, because they try and make it out as if they're really, really good and they're worth the money. In terms of audience figures, they're absolutely not worth the money. You know, they're earning more money than people on radio who get bigger audiences. Can you imagine if people doing, you know, programmes here or wherever it happens to be were getting those sort of audiences, and they'd be going, and are we going to pay you this much money? Really? For how much a year? About, about four million. Four? Are you serious? What, for just doing that? They'd be there straight away, wouldn't they? Absolutely there straight away. Uh, increasing numbers of working mothers being turned down for jobs by suspicious employers. What what they, they tend to worry about is somebody joining the company and then going, um, right, I've been here for two weeks. Uh, I'm pregnant. 
and, uh, and you're going to carry on paying me. So they're now very suspicious. Very, very suspicious. As the story of a, a girl who's an exotic supermodel. Her name is Tasha Vasconcelos. And uh, she managed to get herself into a couple of parties with Prince Charles, and she claimed that he flirted with her uh, under the eyes of, I'm afraid, Camilla Parker Bowles. And, in fact, these allegations appear in a book. And, apparently, she's met Charles several times. She's been at a a private lunch. She said in her book, Beauty is a Weapon. What I'm assuming here is, and you're probably getting the same message, is that Tasha von Cascocelos uh, is, in fact, desperate for fame. One of her best friends, apparently, is uh, Carla Brunei. Bruni, Brunei. And so she also has uh, denied relationships uh, with Prince Albert of Monaco. And Clarence House has said we never talk about these kind of things. She's obviously one of these sort of people who trolls the parties looking for a bit of thing and then writes a book as if anybody is going to be remotely interested in a book from somebody you've never even heard of. I mean, it's bad enough to try and get publicity for people you've heard of nowadays. Oh, the bad news is this morning. Oh, 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 oh. Who wants to be a millionaire? That's what they're saying. Yeah, still on, apparently. I know, difficult to... But uh, they've said that they're going to cut down on the amount they're making, but they will be doing celebrity ones. If, of course, you can find the celebrities, which in this day and age, I suspect is extremely difficult, as if they've come up with Derek Conway as a celebrity... And if they come up with Emma Ridley as a celebrity, I'm quite clearly living in the wrong world. Uh, It's the 12th of... Good Lord, it's the 12th. We've had a day since we've done this programme, says Sarah and Jeff. It's not the... the And the programme's called Five Go Two. And this one was Turkey. And what do they do? Just to make it interesting. And here's something to make Jan Leeming go... Today you're going to learn how to cook a sheep's head. So they take the cloth off the plate and there is a sheep's head with the eyeballs because it's a delicacy. If I've seen it done once, I've seen it done about five million times. It's blooming boring. Don't do it ever again. It's terribly, terribly, terribly annoying. Uh, One here. Lynn says, I can't believe the attitude of the authorities to that poor young girl and her family. How heartless. So much for taking care of the vulnerable. They don't care. They do not care. You could stand in front of them in a court of law and die. And it wouldn't make the slightest difference. And I'll highlight another case for you after the news, which is next. Morning, everybody. It's nice to have you come... Hang on, we've just managed to get the the computer working again, which is good news, isn't it? I'm just trying to log on, and so far it's not... uh, Yeah, the system... It's not being particularly helpful, actually. Am I putting the wrong password? Yeah, but but it's not. Hang on, hey, uh, Eight. That, that's my, my password. Well, that, that is my password. I can't help. Of course it's correct. Don't be silly. I put in my password every day for the last year. No, it's absolutely correct. So the system is obviously broken. Because I, I did put in, and everything else is right. And so it's the same password I use every day. Unless now the system, because it's collapsed, has now taken all the passwords off. Look, I'll put it in again. Well, I can't help it then. Uh, uh, uh. That's my password. That is my password. It, it, they, uh, it's quite clearly not recognising passwords. Get them to sort it. Anyway, Jonathan Levi is back with us in the studio. Woo! Good morning. Another way she says you're putting in the wrong password. I do it, you know, three times a day. She goes, you put in the wrong password. Oh, now she's broken the other thing as well. Uh, so, uh, did you hear the story about this, this poor girl who didn't get the... Uh, the benefits that she should have done as a student and died, and her father is still campaigning 
to try and get benefits because the benefit office went, no, no, we can't, can't give any benefits to her because she's a student. It's, it's a terrible, weird system, isn't it, when some people get horribly treated and other people are very much on the fiddle. But there's loads of... Every time I open up the papers, there's people on the fiddle every <clears> day. And they managed to get... I mean, there's one woman the other day got £250,000 on the fiddle and... And you go, but how did she get it? Well, there's the woman who pretended her landlord was her husband. Hang on. You're typing in your wrong password, Amanda. Just making sure you're typing in the right one. There's the woman, isn't there, that yeah. today that pretended her husband was her landlord. Yes. And um, got loads of... That was on the television yeah. yesterday, yeah. and it was absolutely atrocious. And, and it wasn't until you saw the two pictures, you thought, wait a minute, this is your husband and this is your landlord. It's the same person. Does nobody check in, the, in these departments on whether people are fiddling? Because to me, they, they jump out a mile. There are just so many people in this country, it's hard to investigate everybody. Well, I'm assuming that the majority of people working in the benefits office must be fiddling as well, because otherwise, how would these things get through? Well... It takes somebody to sign it off at the front to go, yeah, that's OK, and they sign it, and off they go. Yeah, but as soon as something's been signed off, then it doesn't tend to get looked at unless somebody raises a little red flag. Well, why doesn't the government do this? If we're wasting a billion a year on benefit fraudsters, surely it would, it would be in <clears> their <throat> interest to set up a huge department who can, who can clamp down on these people. And when they get a woman in the paper today who fiddles, claiming she's got a bad back, not just fiddles a few thousand quid, 40,000 quid this old thing fiddled, and you think to yourself, this is just wrong. No, it is wrong. It is and wrong. she's paying back at a tenner a week out of her incapacity benefits. It all adds up. They're all relatively small amounts of money, though, that's the only thing. It's yeah. not really going to make much difference to the national... Coffers. No, but it, it, it does strike me as being terribly easy to get money out if you're a certain person, whereas genuine claimants get nothing. I think if you're an unethical person across the board, you can fiddle for a bit, can't you? But you normally get caught. I've never fiddled in my life. No. I've never... I, I couldn't do it. I wouldn't have... But I couldn't whether it be sort of bankers being dodgy or people fiddling their expenses or various things. I mean, there's just different forms of it, aren't there, all over yeah. the place. Well... It's not good. It's not good, actually. And with it's... public money, it's absolutely unacceptable. Well, it is unacceptable. Yeah. And it's unacceptable in the fact that sort of some people miss out and some people just happily take it and have no intention of paying it back. The woman who was fiddling with the husband, he had a very successful minicab business. Yeah. Doing limousines and everything else. So, they're f- so they must have been absolutely laughing yeah. to the bank. Yeah. You know, you go there, the bank are giving you, or the, or the government, 40 grand a year, plus you've got your business, and you can keep doing it, and nobody investigates you. There's probably people listening at the moment doing it. It'll all catch up with her now, though. It'll all unravel. Oh. Everything will be put under the spotlight. He'll then have a full tax inquiry. He'll have to go through everything. It'll turn out there'll be lots of other dodginesses all along the way. Well, the, well, the, the, the so-called Somalian woman for the 260000 wasn't even living here. She was living in Sweden but claiming the money here. It wasn't until they went round to the flat, they realised that she wasn't living there. The kids had been into the school one day, and that was the last they ever saw of them. Yeah. And she was claiming the money in Sweden. Oh. And we're sending money to Sweden. Small wonder it's fiddled everywhere. Well, meanwhile, the student who threw the fire extinguisher at the riot police has been jailed. Yeah. So, good. 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 Yeah. Should have but jailed the more reason they, they, they didn't jail him for longer is because his mother persuaded him to give himself up. She was in tears in court, wasn't good. she? Good. Good. That's the son you brought up. To be honest with you, you're very lucky that that fire extinguisher didn't hit anybody because you'd be looking at murder. He looks like something from the Lord of the Rings. He does look a bit strange. Everybody was saying that this morning, hasn't he? I said, to be honest with you, he's got a hobbity look about him. He has got a hobbity look. But they're saying they hope it's um, a lesson to other people who think they might cause trouble. I've never seen anybody so stupid as to anybody who would seriously throw a fire extinguisher onto a group of people downstairs and not think it might have hit somebody on the way down. Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, these things, are, I don't know if you've ever picked up a fire extinguisher, but they're metal. They're very heavy. Even if you dropped it on your foot. It would, yeah. 
Agony. Yeah. I'd have sent him to prison for ten years. Yeah. I'm sorry, I wouldn't have wasted any time with that. I think we're... Because he's, he's going to be out in about a year, they yeah. reckon. Because if... nobody ever serves their sentence. Well, it automatically gets halved if you're for good behaviour. Yes. At the very least. Yeah, but I'm sorry. I mean, I just see him as a thug. Yeah. As, a, as just a very dangerous person. ITV, well... who wants to be a millionaire? Has it been A, axed, B, canned, C, scrapped, or D, dropped? Do you want to phone a friend? <laughs> They say uh, it's been none of those things, but they, they're going to do different versions of it. Right. They're going to drop the normal one. Um, they say it drew in 19 million viewers in its heyday. Now it's down to 6.5 million. Yeah. And so they only want to do celebrity ones. Yeah. So well. they're not going to do the public anymore. No. It's been Which around a shame, for a long really. time. It, I, I, I quite liked it. But I tell you what I don't like on these shows, and I get really angry with these sort of shows where they go... And you said, A, axed. We'll be back in a moment. And so you then go off, you make a cup of tea, you wallpaper, you do all the rest of it, you come back and they're still faffing around. They do it on, on the Dancing on Ice. They go, who's going to be axed this week? Is it A? Is it... And you think, oh, just get on with it. Stop faffing around and wasting time. <laughs> we know it's a small, cheap little programme. For God's <laughs> sake, just do it quickly. God, it's made them a lot of money, though, the people that came up with it. I know. Jasper Carrot. Jasper Carrot. Yeah. Jasper Carrot. Made, made millions. Is it something like 60 million something he made? Like oh, I wish I'd... We actually had... I, ha I have to tell you this very quickly. We actually came up with a format for a quiz show. Darren came up with a format, which we did on LBC. as part of my afternoon show. And there was um, a TV executive sitting outside in the early days who nicked our format, made it into a television quiz show. Oh. Imagine how sick we were feeling. Imagine how sick we were feeling. Anyway, back in a second. <laughs> News headlines with Sam Pittis. And with me, Nick Ferrari, this morning from 7. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. 6.20. Jonathan Levi's here. Miriam O'Reilly could get, they say, up to £250,000 after that ageism case. And the BBC have had to apologise. And um, It's quite a big deal that the BBC lost, actually, in some ways. It's quite well, I think so, yes. Yeah. The BBC producer, Dean Jones, uh, is alleged to have said to her, you'll have to be careful about wrinkles when high definition comes in. Now, to be honest with you, I don't see that as a problem. Because ask any presenter on television about high definition, they'll all say the same to you. Oh, my God, it's a nightmare. That's such a sort of context type thing, isn't it? I mean, anyone could have said that. It's absolutely true about high definition. It is. It and shows everything. And you could everything. say that in a very supportive way. Yes. That you have to be careful about wrinkles when high definition comes in. Most people would say that about themselves about high definition. That's one of the downsides of it. Yes. I mean, but I really they actually developed a new makeup, thing, didn't they? To say that. No, I don't think it's sexist either. Or and, an age. To be honest with you. They said they wanted to employ people with higher profile. I'd never even heard of her. Well, they've moved, they moved the show from one slot to another. Right. And in that new slot, they wanted a different feel to get ratings up. I well, don't that seems, see it as... A, I mean, doesn't that seem fair enough? If, if you want to get ratings up and you go, listen, we think you're a bit old now for it, we'll give you something else, because otherwise you'd have people sitting there until they're sort of old and grey. Seems completely reasonable to me. I don't understand it at all. I mean, as, as, as a TV producer, if you had somebody there and they were sort of, you know, very sweet and very nice, but they weren't doing the business and you wanted somebody high profile to get a bigger audience, you would be within your rights, I would assume, to get rid of a freelance presenter who'd been on short-term contract and put somebody else in. Yeah, of course. But of course, mm. nowadays, they're going to go, I think you've just got rid of me because I'm old. And you go, no, I'm trying to get ratings. Yeah. Or you just need the show to work in a particular way, or you're under pressure to make a, a slightly different focus from a commissioner, or a channel controller likes this bit of it, but not that bit, so you have to change it. Yeah. It happens all the time. Yes. I remember, strange enough, years ago, I did a, used to do a one-hour 
programme on LBC once a week with a mover and a shaker. And at one point, it was David Liddermont. Yeah. And David Liddermont was running ITV, and he was based in our, in our building. Yeah. And, and I said to him, I said, I said, how powerful are you in terms of ITV? He said, very. I said, can you hire and fire presenters you don't like? He said, absolutely. He said, if, I, if I'm watching somebody and I think, I don't want them on the toe, he said... I'll just get rid of them. Yeah, well, that's... Because I'm in the business of getting ratings, he because the ratings... was programmes at the Network Centre, yes. when, yeah, we, presumably that was at 200 Grays in a row. Yes, it was, yeah. And, um, and yeah, he would, have, he would have, at that time, had absolute power over his own schedule. That's the point. That's what he's paid to do. He's paid to look at the schedule and work out what works and what doesn't, and for his personal vision to go across the schedule, and sometimes the people have got be got rid of, some people, people might get promoted, but that's the job. That's his job. Yeah. Well, I, I said earlier... You know, you are as good as your last set of figures. Yeah. It, and it works exactly the same in any branch of media, or in fact in any job, I yeah. would think. If, if, if you're working even in radio, you know, and, and people say to me, you know, how are you still there after 32 years? And you go, because I'm still producing the figures. If I wasn't producing the figures, I would have expected them to lose me years ago. What I also don't really understand, although I suppose they could be sort of ageist, but, but an awful lot of um, middle-aged to older women are television executives, yes. including Jay, you know, no, you know, she's not old exactly, but she's not really young. I mean, J- Jay Hunt, who was the controller of BBC One at the time, during mm. this, I mean, she's a woman. She's a sort of middle-aged woman. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's, the place is run by kind of teenage boys. No. I mean, the fact is, middle-aged women, they're all over the place in television, running channels. The channel controller of BBC Two is a middle-aged woman. Yes, when you know, I was working middle-aged at women everywhere. Liz was, was running it there. She was running Five's Company, and she'd run a load of other very successful programs loads of mid- she would female, be cast as a middle-aged woman. middle-aged women are commissioning editors everywhere and, yes. and so on so uh, this case they all have to be ageist and i don't think are they i don't think so well i mean i just all it comes jobs. down to me it doesn't matter how old somebody i couldn't care less whether john craven is 32 or 68 it's whether he's watchable and he pulls an audience that's that's what it comes it's figures it doesn't matter yeah. what nick ferrari looks like it's whether or not he can pull an audience in the morning that's it comes down to that it's as it's as simple as that it I mean, doesn't the, matter the argument isn't really about john Crape. the counter argument is that it's about women you know that that, that older it men only applies to women that, then? That, that that's their argument that that it only right. applies to women that older <laughs> men are allowed that. that you know there's plenty of old <sighs> men on television why where are the old women Right. And that's the sort of... Uh, I'm going to cease with the, the sex grievance. change surgery today. I've decided I'm <laughs> going to go no further at all. <laughs> just have to suffer with the breasts. There seem the to me to be quite a lot of older women on television. Well, I thought so. I thought there were loads. But, but do you think Rippen that there is... Victoria yes, I mean, Angela Rippon was saying she was 60-something. The loads seem to be, to be, to be lost. But I suppose the case is that, you know, well, I was dropped because I thought I was old, whereas they just want to have a change of... Of sort of presenter on something, yeah. And I do, I do like Country File. Don't, don't get me wrong. I think it's a very well put together program. I think it's a terrible waste of money. I tell you for why. They seem to have a team of about sixty or seventy people on it, because they have presenters that go out and just do one little feature, which seems to take all week. And there'll be a whole camera crew for that. So when you watch the credits on Country File, you go, "What do they all do?" And bearing in mind they're all earning what I would think would be good money. Yeah, they'll all be earning good money. Well, that's it used the to be one person years ago. It was John Craven. John Craven did it. Now you must have at least... You've got the bloke who's got the farm. You've got some drippy woman who's getting on my nerves like there's no tomorrow. A little blonde, bubbly little thing. And she's sort of... No, not Kate Humble. We love Kate Humble. And, and we like all the other people. There's this little blonde girl who turns up and she's like, Oh, I'm li- really excited to be here. Not very happy. And frankly, I'm thinking, I don't like you. No. You've got irritant factor. Yes. But, but there's a lot of presenters on programme. You can't just have one or two now. You've got the bloke who's got the farm who now makes other programmes... 
And you sort of, in the end, you think, you know, I've, some of them lose their identity. I like the idea that farmers are remotely interested in watching Kate Umble trekking about over the moor. <laughs> sure, some farmers would be interested in that. David Miliband's gone back to um, teach part-time in his yeah. school, Haverstock School. It's nice. In Chalk Farm. He's obviously um, plotting. You think so? Yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, i tell you who actually died. So, uh, somebody died today. Not that um, nice magician. No, not that nice magician. This is a lady called Audrey Lawson Johnson. Oh, who's that? Exactly. I'll give you a clue. Uh, when this event happened, she was only three months old. Uh, she was a passenger. On the Titanic. No, quite close. Uh, she was on the Lusitania. Oh. She was on the Lu- She was, But she was three months old. So she wouldn't have remembered anything about it at all when the Lusitania got... Uh, got taken down. Oh. So, oh. there you go. So, she died, I'm afraid, but yeah. she was 90-something. There was the other woman, I can't remember her name now, but she appeared on television programmes. She was the last survivor of the Titanic. Yes. And she cropped up, a, I think she was about <coughs> 90-something. Uh, Steve, did the parents pay back the student loan? No, they didn't have the student loan. She didn't get as far as that. So they didn't need to have a student... They had the student loan in place, but she didn't use it because she became very, very ill. Steve says 30 times more money is lost through tax fraud than benefit fraud. Both are wrong. The vast majority of benefit claimants are genuine. If only we could say that in this day and age. We do see an awful lot of well, people. That's what I was sort of trying to say before, really. There are all sorts of assets. You know, look at the MP today. You know, there, there, there's sort of so much corruption and fraud and dodginess all over the place. I mean, but explain it's, this it's one all to wrong. Me. It's all wrong. It's Why all are our courts wrong? not the same? How is it an MP gets a custodial sentence for fiddling a bit of money, it was only a few thousand quid, and yet a benefit cheat gets community service. Why don't we chuck them all in prison? If it, an MP's gone to prison for how many years it is, for fiddling whatever it was... Well, the streets think... would be empty. They're all chucked in prison. Good! Build more prisons. Well, we, we'd have to pay for everybody. It costs more than they were fiddling. That's the trouble. Prison costs so much. It costs more than eating to send these people to prison. I don't know. What a marvellous education, though. I <laughs> went into prison. I knew nothing. I've come out now. I can do safe-breaking. No, I know. I, <laughs> I could do everything. I've got all these new skills. I know. It's fantastic. Um, Simone in Hampstead says the show, uh, which you're talking about, Five Go Mad in Wherever, is the celebs are in a holiday destination. They take in turns on doing an activity that celebrity likes doing, and then they vote off who uh, actively was rubbish or something like that. Oh, dear. Uh, Mark in Essex says, how long before Kerry Katona starts dating Alex Reed? Oh, did That's... you see that show last night? The Caricatona. Oh, we have did to take a short it? break. Oh, we'll I'm have to talk it, about it. It, it. it made me quite ill watching it for the fact that not only does she not have any friends, oh, that and they've party. suddenly read the party was the tackiest, chaviest, naff piece of chat I've ever seen. Poor Claire and her peculiar boyfriend who sweated and kept kissing Kerry. Well, all the whole the time. thing was like a sort of a, a hymn to Claire and Neville Powell. Well, it, but I didn't realise that his company makes the Kerry Katona programme. No, exactly. This is what I'm trying to say. It's it just like, unbelievable. There was a sequence in a show that they're producing yeah. where Kerry Katona wrote a thank you note to them. Yes. I know. Yes. And then cries. He goes, I owe you everything. I thought, no, 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 no. They owe you everything. It's as simple as that. That's what gave them their lavish lifestyle. LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. 26 minutes to seven. Uh, John in Palmer's Green saw Terry Seabrook years ago. Uh, hilarious man. I mean, he really was. He, he died yesterday morning about nine o'clock and uh, much missed. Lovely, lovely man. So commiserations to his wife and to the members of the Watford Magic Club as well. High and Mighty in Oxford Street in the plaza is still open, says Dan. He'd know. High and Mighty. What High and Mighty. Big and tall men. Well, this is the one that we, I got sent in the other day from this sh- <laughs> This is This is an 8XL. T-shirt. It's a tent. It's 8XL. That's 
That's a That's man's upper body. Apparently so. <laughs> apparently. It's, it, it does make... I mean, you know, I feel like holding it up saying, I used to be this size and now I'm thinner. I mean, it's super size. It's like you're holding up a sheet for a bed. She said I could use it for a duvet. It's like a double it sheet. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Can you imagine being that big? Unbelievable. Yeah. But, it, but some people are. Some people they are, must do yeah. because she's... And it's, it's nice quality. It's not as if it's cheap quality or anything like that. You get people like that in America pottering about, don't you? Sort of people like around that shopping in Caricatona's show. In Caricatona's show, as we were talking about. Oh. I've never seen anything like it. It was unbelievable. It was not only car crash television, it was Kerry Katona screaming, because she's quite clearly very simple, and dragging out the family again, dragging mm. down the family from Liverpool. Being kissed on the lips by Neville several times. Quite a lot. Five times we, five we, times we, we, we counted. counted. If, you, if somebody is your manager or your agent, and I, he's her manager and then his girlfriend, Claire, Claire is the Powell agent. Claire is the agent, yeah. She had to write a little love letter to them, thanking them for everything. Then yes. she had to make a little speech thanking them for everything. Yeah. Then she had to call them onto the stage to thank them for everything. Yes. And so in fact, they... it actually became the Claire and Neville show. Yeah. And They're a the bit The show naff. is made by... Neville's company. Oh, yes. Oh, there you go, which I think is Open Can or something like yes. that. Because I remember looking at it thinking, and the, and the producer was Neville. Because quite clearly, Claire and Neville just love the limelight. <laughs> Unfortunately, they don't know anybody with any class. And so it really looked like a lot of people carrying hubcaps walking into the party. Yeah. Because it was just... I've never seen anything so... And I was waiting for the celebrities to turn up. Quite clearly, everybody turned it down. The two hunky, stripped-to-the-waist men standing outside the marquee as everybody walked in... Yes. ...also had to kiss Kerry Katona on the lips. Yes, although did you notice... done. I I think you you have to kiss her to make Kerry feel that she's... (laughs) Sorry. She's come for a difficult place in <laughs> difficult her life. Difficult place, mother! Difficult place, and I was in a dark place, and now I'm, I'm in a light place, and, and I'm still as stupid as I ever was. Yeah. And it was just an embarrassment. They, it, they tried to make the marquee look big, yeah. but in fact, when you saw six people dancing on the floor, you realised that there were only about 20 people there. There were. It was very tiny, yeah. very cheap and tacky, but absolutely Kerry Katona. And I don't think anyone actually ate anything. They just sat I and just saw a roll on a plate. Shots. They did a few cutaways and a few shots of people sitting at tables, but it looked slightly like the whole thing was just <laughs> for the show. That's quite... It wasn't a we real never party. S- it wasn't a... Re- it was no. a photographic it was, party. It was just so we never show. saw kitchens being set up, because no. presumably they never ate. There wasn't any food. No, there was no food. Even when they were dancing, there was no food on the tables, nothing. No, you... We didn't even see sense. people coming around pouring out booze. No, no booze being poured. What a cheap party. Everyone was just sitting around posing for the show. Yeah. And then we got a lot of, lot of shots of, of Kerry having her makeup done. So that took up most of the show. And then a lot of, lot of shots of, of and then Claire a few shots having of, her hair done. And Kerry in the bedroom singing like a banshee. Yeah. And then again with those made-up drifters. Yes. Yes, and here they are, the drifters. And I, I'm shouting to the television, they're dead. You know, why, who are these people? They're yeah. not the drifters. No. They're just a made-up group. Yeah. Which was, which was terrible, I'm afraid. Uh, Grace in East Ham, not a fan, Kerry Katona or Katie Price, but I do like the idea of Kerry Katona dating Alex Reed, because I think that Claire, who only goes for low-rent celebrities, will be offering Alex Reed a gig because she'll do anything to get back at Jordan. Yeah. And the idea that Alex Reed could go to Claire would be absolutely the kick in the teeth. It would. Are they breaking up or anything, or is that all made up? 
Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm as in the dark as you are. I mean, I thought it was all just a newspaper, just a story to get them a bit of publicity. I have read it, and it does appear that they're repeating what they said yesterday, which is they're both seeing their lawyers. Well, he doesn't even look as though he could spell the word lawyer, yeah. so I've got no idea. But to be honest with you, who cares? We, ne- we never thought it was genuine. From the moment they got married, I said on the programme, it's not genuine. You can tell. There's no affection. There's no holding hands. No. No kissing. It was all done for the camera again. People who parade their lives in front of the cameras deserve everything that they get, I'm afraid. I, I, was, I was a bit disappointed. I expected a little bit more and hoping that she might have grown up, but, uh, but she hasn't at all. Uh, I'm interested in... Uh, well, we, we, we discussed the, uh, the other case of the woman getting uh, the money, and uh, Rachel Stevens apparently is a mum. Oh, yeah, she was now, pregnant, wasn't she? She yes. had the baby. She's married to somebody called Alex Bourne. Yeah. And uh, she says, I can't believe we're mummy and daddy. Proper grown-up stuff. Rachel is 32, believe it or not. (laughs) Hard to believe that somebody that stupid can actually make it to 32. She's quite young-looking, though. Yeah. Lenny Henry is in TV biz today. He was quite funny on your um, interview. He was was much better radio than he was television. Yeah. Everybody said that. And he's going to spend five months living in hotel rooms because it's part of his TV ads deal, they've said. Because he advertises Premier Inns. Well, he told us something completely different. He said the reason that he's doing this tour is it's all within the M25, and why? Because he can stay at home. Because he can stay at home. He told us he's got a daughter. He's got no intention of staying in Premier Inns. What a load (laughs) of old rubbish, these paper print. In fact, (laughs) Colin Robertson, you need to have your little bottom smacked, and you need to listen to LBC more. Because Lenny told us, when I said to him, why are you kicking off in Newbury? And he said, because I live outside... He said, and my whole tour is based around the M25, so I can go home every night. So all this rubbish here... Colin Robertson has been copying a premiere in press release. Colin, Colin, very shoddy journalism, dear. Very shoddy, I'm afraid. God, dear, get your facts right. Listen to LBC. I'm going to make you happy this week, though. Oh, excellent. Paul, Paul McKenna's going to make you happy. Oh, he's very good. He's going to make you happy. Very, very happy. Because he has a book out. Yeah. So he can, he can sort all that out for you. Uh, Marmite. You can like get it. Marmite... Ch- you not? No. And it's funny people say you either like it or you don't like it. But in Robert Dias, you can get um, all Marmite things, like a toast rack and an egg cup. Well, and they've brought out ranges. There's a whole range things. of Marmite products. Oh, I nearly bought them for you, but now I know you don't like you it. You either like them or you don't. Yeah. You can get Marmite chocolate. Oh. It sounds disgusting, doesn't oh, it? Gross. Not sure about Marmite chocolate. I don't know. I'm not sure about any of these, like, chilli chocolate and all these sort of funny... I just like chocolate. I know. I don't, I'm, I'm not big into that kind of thing at no. all. Uh, 84850... Steve at lbc.co.uk. On Edward Woolard, I agree he's probably a thug, but the number of thugs in that protest were too numerous to count. I think they all should have got punishment. This is the man who threw the fire extinguisher, a metal fire extinguisher, off a building with people underneath. Yeah. A rather stupid, ignorant person, which is a bit of a disappointment for his parents, I should imagine, even though his mum had to... uh, had to sort of uh, take him along to the police station to give himself up. I'd have thought, take him to the hairdresser first, give him a decent haircut. But never mind. Uh, Steve, uh, Wendy says, what age would one be called middle-aged? Uh, well, how old are you, 39? Coming up 40. Yeah. Coming up 40. Yeah. So um, maybe another sort of six, seven years? Late 40s on Late Late 40s would be middle-aged. Maybe. Is it maybe late 40s oh, to... Ages. I'm so lucky. Is it so. late 40s to early 60s, middle-aged? I don't, I don't know. know, really. It's an interesting know. question. Yes, I'm, sure. I'm, I'm intrigued by what people think... Mi- it's a state of mind, though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, some I people, that the phrase young fogey, you know, some people are middle-aged, but when they're 17. Oh, I, I, I've, I've seen... And generally people who work in banks. 
seem incredibly middle-aged. A lot of people who work in banks, you go, how old are you? And you think, oh, I remember meeting my bank manager years and years ago, another one, and I thought that he was probably about 45, 50, and turned out to be 26. Yeah. Because you age quickly in banks. People are different. Age isn't really the thing, as it is a state of mind, isn't it? I remember going to this um, marketing thing at ITV, and it took two Michaels, Michael Jagger and Michael Howard. Right. Mick Jagger and Michael Howard. Both men born on, I think, either the same day or the same month. Exactly the same age. Could not be more different. Really? Michael Howard in his sort of stuffy suits and his, you know, sort of pomposity and his sort of <laughs> ludicrousness. Mick Jagger, who still behaves like a kind of 25-year-old. Yeah. And, um, you know, exactly the same age. So in that sense, it is very much a state of mind, isn't it? Well, I, I think age is... You know, when somebody says... How old are you? And I, I tell them, and they go, yeah, pff, right. You know, because they can't believe it. They can't believe they it. They cannot no. believe. They actually think I'm younger than 39. Yeah, do, yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, mentally, I think I'm about 26. Yeah, 12. Sorry? 12. 12, 12, <laughs> 12 yes, yes. Mentally 12. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, I don't know. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC, because uh, Robert says, Jimmy Savile did the young person show Top of the Pops, and he was very old. Yes, but that's different. That's actually different. He's sort of, now then, now then, you know, and he's, he, was, he was a radio presenter. Yeah. Radio presenters can do that. Yeah, they can. You know, I mean, we, we probably have radio presenters on here who are probably heading towards their 60s, good God, ladies and gentlemen. Not that I want to name names, but, you know. Uh, Richard Robinson, he says, uh, there are probably benefit fraudsters listening to the programme right now. What? <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> Although there's probably all sorts of people listening. I don't really care who they are. Just, if, if they are benefit fraudsters, that should get caught. Yeah. You know, and we take everything off them. So, in other words, if you go into your house and you've got a television and a cup, we take it. Out. Out. And we, and, we, and we sell it and we push you out on the streets and you, you can yeah. die, as far as I'm concerned. I couldn't care less. Yeah. You know, because other people, it's like people who go and sit in hospitals in the waiting room and take up, you know, the doctor's time because they can't believe that we've got such a good, efficient health service. And they deprive other normal people. They go, sorry, I've just got a cough. Well, go home and get some cough mixture. I thought I'd come in here and get some medicine. The go home, well. you silly waste of space. Yeah. It's ridiculous, isn't ridiculous, it? Ridiculous, yeah. Okay. So now we know middle-aged is, we think about 46. Think about 46 to 66, we think. Oh, to 66. Oh, is it? 61. 59. You're guessing now. You're just guessing. I don't know. I don't know what it means. For, for, I think 46. I think it's a state of mind. Yeah. Roughly correlating with an age Bracket. Yeah. I mean, I think that my mental ability is the same as my shoe size. Work that one out <coughs> if you can. OK, quarter to seven is the time. This, uh, this lovely morning. And with the news, it's Sam Pittis. With me, Nick Ferrari, this morning from seven. Morning, everybody. I was talking the other day about uh, Twickenham Post Office, which we said is open, but the shop is closed. And then yesterday, Paul said, no, the, the post office is definitely going in two weeks. And then Philip sent me a, a piece from the Richmond and Twickenham Times dated the 7th of January, uh, and they've said the post office is still open for business, despite the fact that they're now looking to move it. Oh. So, in other words, it is closing. We, we, we knew it was, it was going to close. It's just going to be moved somewhere else. And um, because at the moment you walk through an empty shop to get to the post office at the back. Uh, lots of them are moving into supermarkets, aren't they? Oh, are they? Mm. That'll be nice. Very good. Very good indeed. And uh, Tina Charles, who I love to love, uh, dropped me an email. To say she listens to the programme every day. She says, you make me laugh. Mornings wouldn't be the same without you. Say hi to Paul Savory. Because Paul Savory worked with, with Tina Charles oh. a number of years ago. And he's, he's still on his holes. It's a non-stop holiday for, uh, for Paul Savory. It is like for ages and ages. Saga 
is for 50 oh, and above. Oh, that's right. Pick on me. Saga's for 50 and above, isn't it? Yes. But is Saga for middle-aged people or old people? So does that mean 50 years old? Old. old. Or is that middle-aged? 50 is classed as old now. Thank old? God, I don't know anybody 50. Whew. Well, yeah. if Saga's 50 and above and Saga's for old people, that must mean that middle-aged is under 50. Hmm. Which means we just need to work out what the beginning of it is. I got an email from Saga. Once offering me discounted car insurance, <laughs> cheeky so and so's. How could they write to me? Honestly, a thirty-nine-year-old, a spring lamb, and then and then they sent me a saga brochure. Well, saga must be that must be the, the, their lower limit. Must be yes. our upper limit. I th- I thought so- yeah, she thinks saga's old, and I think saga is is catering for older people. I don't want to call them senior citizens. I don't think no. they're that old, but I think they're they're more senior than maybe you. Yeah, but well, I'm twenty-two. And I'll be 23 next month. <coughs> oh dear, honestly. We're all at it, aren't we, in this business? Uh, Katie Price was found guilty of not being in proper control of her pink horse box. Thank you. Oh, Good yes, so she was. Uh, this is after she veered into another lane. Uh, the vehicle had to take evasive action when her vehicle drifted on the A23. She texted Price, who denied the charge, said the horse box had drifted into another lane because she was a woman driver. <laughs> she, she said, I'm just not used to a lorry that big. I was probably a bit scared because it was on a motorway. Alan of Ealing pointed out, he said, if, if she, uh, you know, has a licence, she should be capable of driving. Secondly, since when has the A23 been a motorway? <laughs> oh, never let that spoil a good story, Alan. But uh, the idiot woman from, uh, from Hecker's got her own problems, I'm afraid. Jim says, if you think 66 is middle age, double it. I'm 39, and about two years ago, somebody guessed my age to be 51. Oh, dear. Wasn't that awful? That's awful. You probably look really old, Jim. Yeah. Uh, 45 is middle aged. That's assuming you live to 90. It's not just it, the middle of your like age. That. It, it isn't in the middle, no. for some reason. I don't think it's exactly in the middle like that. Yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm not sure as well. Life expectancy is three score years plus ten. Three scores and ten, so that's, so that's 70. 70. So that makes 35. 35 middle-aged. That's not middle-aged. So 35 is more very young. Th- I think very 35 young. is very young, isn't it? I'm hoping so, anyway. Yeah. Peter in Wallington says, I'm 31 and feel middle-aged. Yeah, but you probably look it. Yeah. You know, you're in Wallington. I mean, you know, Wallington. you start with a handicap. Yeah. You know, Wallington, it is... You probably know, feels a, a, terrible, probably looks like hell. You come out of Sutton and they get older and older. And by the time you get to Wallington... Wallington, they're, they're all are, Zimmer frames they're, at age It's 32. Zimmer frame territory. I mean, yeah. every bus shelter is just full of people sitting there going... Handing out peppermints. Yes, exactly. Have, have, have you lived in the area long? <laughs> no, not really, I say. You know? Everybody, no matter how... They've all got little trolleys to go shopping with. God's waiting room, Wallington. God's waiting room. It really <laughs> is. They just wait there until God calls them. You... Yeah. Peter, up, your, your turn. Come on, off you go. <laughs> Don't sit on a cloud with a load of other people. Marmite chocolate for Christmas, says Caroline. Dreadful. Uh, we don't want Marmite chocolate. No, you're, you're, you're not much. keen on that. No. Uh, Tim Luckhurst is looking at the papers this morning with Nick Ferrari. And in the wake of the judge jailing the student for throwing the fire extinguisher, Nick will be finding out what life is like in a young offenders institute. Hopefully very unpleasant. Well, we have a, a regular listener who works as a warden at a young offenders institute in Feltham. Oh, yes. In fact, comes to all the shows. Comes to all our shows, and that's what he does. He deals with with young people in there. It's not like Borstal, is it, anymore? I don't think we have Borstal anymore, do we? Any Borstals? Don't think so. No Borstals. Any Borstals listening Anybody anybody in a Borstal? Yes, give us a ring now, because you're bound to get, you know, phones and everything, phone cards. Quick, go go and phone Steve Allen and find out. No, I think we just have, um... Secure... Units. Well, not even secure. Insecure units. Yes. Where they can burn them down, like in Ford Open Prison. <laughs> and Glenn says, glad you've arrived at work in such a caring frame of mind. Well, you're in Romford. That's another God's waiting room, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, dear me. Uh, plus, they're going to talk about the Sainsbury's results. 
uh, the Arizona fallout after this, uh, this bloke went berserk. And, um, do banks need bonus culture? Oh, I'm so bored of all these, this discussion about bonuses. Oh, I, oh bonuses, I bonuses, see what you mean. bankers and their bonuses. Do you know what I saw the other day, which, which cheered me up no end, because I'm, I'm a bit athletic myself. Yes. And that was a programme on our young hopefuls for the Olympics. And they oh. were looking at one young lad called Sam, who I think could have been 14 or 15. He could do backflips, the pommel horse, the rings. He could, and I thought, you know, you remind me so much of myself. So shimmying up the ropes at gym class. Well, I shimmied up them, but only to get away from all the other children who were chasing me. Yeah. And unfortunately, I used to laugh at the top, and I hated being chased. I've still got a fear now. If somebody comes up behind me in the corridor and goes, <laughs> like that, I, I do run yeah. into the wall. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a bit scared. Yeah. Uh, very, very quickly here, uh, Mavis remembered uh, Pussycat Willem, before your time, oh, yes. uh, on children's television, and says the guests on the show were Marianne Faithful, Tom Jones and Adrian Poster. Oh, dear. Remember them very, very well indeed. Very well. And Michelle says, many moons ago, I used to work at Cheeky Pete's and Brollies. There was a bouncer there called John, and he was seeing Kate, who used to chat to all the time. Well, that's my mum. Listen, I can't remember yesterday, let alone all these years. I mean, there were loads of bouncers there. I can't remember who called John. What did he look like? Send me in a picture of what John looked like in those days, and I might remember these things. It's very difficult. Did you see um, the new Matt LeBlanc, Stephen Mangan show episodes on TV? No, is it good? Or... Oh, I watched a bit of the first but first one. It was all right. He um, didn't work in his other show, did he? Not after, with after Joey, Friends. The, the one on Channel 5, no. Yeah. But not much has worked on Channel 5 over the years. Well, now it's owned by, by Richard. Richard. It might be glorious days. I don't know. I, I did say the other day, I mean, radio is so much better, because when you have to look at chat shows on the television, every time I turn on, there's the same people. They seem to drift from programme to programme. Well, so that's... Yeah, there's that woman, isn't there, that's on BBC London, and now she's got... I know, on the... Te- it's a ghastly show, though, ghastly. Mm. But then I, I turn on this morning with Holly Willoughby. Oh, yes. And she's on there with, with Phil Schofield, who's on every programme. Very nice, the two of them. And they've got... I'm doing the papers today, Kelvin McKenzie and Gloria Hunniford, and I thought, is this a repeat of the Alan Titchmarsh show? Because they were only on that a short while ago, and it turns yeah. out these people just drift from show to show. Yeah. That's all they do now. They go from show to show, picking up their 250 quid. Yeah. Whatever it is. Good living, I suppose. Good you living. Know, if you can get hold of something like that. Uh, other other very very quick stories in the paper today. Was there anything else that you had quickly that you uh, wanted to throw my way? Well. Apart well. from the fact that Katie Price has apparently said to the Daily Star that I'll always love my Peter. Sadly, sweet pea, he doesn't love you. No. He's with Ellen. Or is he? There's um, Kate Moss and Jamie um, Hintz come back from their Thai spa holiday. There's an awful lot about the poor Australians and the oh, floods. Dreadful, isn't really it? Really dreadful. Have you seen what they've had to put up with? Cars and things going down the main street and crashing The thing I'd buildings. say about it is that the people that they interview are unbelievably good-humoured and sort of nice about it, and you just can't help smiling. They just seem like such a lovely lot. And they've got a sense of humour about it. They've got bars, they've got Barbies yes. set up in kind of... I saw that the other day. Swim up pubs in the upper... I mean, what a lovely group of people. I mean, I feel so sorry for them, but they're just acting in such good humour. Yeah, so well done to them. It can't be much fun, though. Not, not much fun if you're not insured. If you're no. insured, you're OK. But a lot of people, sadly, do not have insurance. Because you don't expect, really, you know, sort of half the garden to vanish in a flood and no. the car to disappear down no. the street. Jonathan's back with us next week. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed. We look forward to part two of Kerry Katona's dreary lifestyle. And if anybody can find out if they ate food at that, do let us know. We're totally convinced there was no food, no booze, no nothing. A bit like this programme. We will be back with you tomorrow morning. Have yourself a great day. Keep the radio tuned to LBC 97.3. Don't forget, check out the blog a little bit later on and the podcast. And uh, join Nick and the team after the news at seven. Before all of that, the business update with Sam Pitti.